0: Welcome to the Center for Spiritual Living Santa Rosa, a spiritual community that promotes global transformation through personal transformation. At the center, we are motivated by a compelling vision of a healthy, loving world, which we call the Global Heart Vision. This vision inspires us to bring the gifts of compassion and loving kindness to the world through our ministries and teaching. What you are about to hear is a recording of a message delivered at the Center for Spiritual Living Santa Rosa. Feel welcomed. Feel at home. Good morning. It's so good to be with you live here face to face in the sanctuary, and it's so good to be with all of you in the extended electronic community whenever and wherever you are. This year, our theme is Living Everyday Wonder, and I just love that, Living Everyday Wonder. It reminds me that life is a wonder, and that I can stop at any moment and just look around and see the wonder that's around me. It also reminds me that I, you, we are living wonders. Without doing anything, each of us is a miracle. Living everyday wonder. We get to luxuriate this year in this theme that we are miraculous wonders surrounded by miraculous wonder. And um, there is some contemporary Celtic spiritual wisdom along this line. It says this, The divine is right here, right now, in each thing and every person, in every breath of wind, every fall of leaf, every bird's song, every wail of lament, every child's laugh. The divine is constantly speaking through everything. Every atom of creation is singing to us. If we just stop and listen, the divine voice is right here. Those words are written by Kenneth McIntosh in the book Bridget's Mantle. And I just want to highlight a few of those words. The divine is constantly speaking through everything. Every atom of creation is singing to us. So it's during this year of considering everyday wonder that this month we're considering emotions. This movement, this motion of different feeling experiences that move through us. We're considering how to navigate them how we can express them with compassion and for ourselves and for others, and very importantly, we're considering how emotions can contribute to our spiritual journey. In last week's talk, Reverend Dr. Kim Kaiser spoke of a concept in Buddhism that came to him from his Buddhist teacher, and, and the idea is that there is both A small mind, that mind that we all use for our own thoughts and feelings and opinions, but that small mind is contained within a big mind. If you didn't hear Dr. Kim's talk, I highly recommend it. For here at the center, when we talk about that big mind within which everything in our small mind is happening, we refer to that big mind as spirit. And the nature of spirit is peace. The nature of spirit, or big mind, is pure joy. The nature of spirit is love. And it is. Is this spirit, this big mind, this pure joy, this peace, this love that has given rise to what we experience in our small minds? Personally, I find this very comforting. I find it comforting that whatever is going on in my small mind at any moment, I have access to big mind. That whatever's going on in my small mind, it's contained within big mind. That whatever turmoil may arise in my human experience, I'm being held by infinite intelligence and love that is always working for me. I'm reminded of the affirmation that is at the very beginning of the the journal, these wonderful journals provided free from our center. Actually, the um, beginning prayer, the affirmative prayer, that is a prayer for this month of emotions. And it reads, "...the Father-Mother presence is limitless in its manifestations." Infinite in variety and expression, this creative intelligence is at once a profound mystery and a warm, responsive presence. A limitless ocean of adoration and acceptance, it enfolds, treasures, and provides for all its creation without reservation." I just want to repeat that last little bit. It enfolds, treasures, and provides for all its creation. That's us, without reservation. Then it says, because we're held in this unqualified love, we are gloriously free to express all of our parts. And today we're going to be uh, considering then this, this word, one, one of our all-time favorite emotions, no doubt, anger. But I just want to consider that that word emotion actually has the word motion in it. In fact, it comes from the Latin word moveri." And right there in that root is some wisdom, because a muveri means to move out. And that's what emotions are supposed to do. They move. We don't have to hang on to them. They rise. They move out. They come. They go. I love in the the Bible, especially stories about Jesus, they often start... And it came to pass. And I just love to think about my emotions as something that's come to pass. They're just passing by. Unless, of course, we get intrigued by them and decide to really get into them and to hang on to them. Or, opposite problem, we ignore them, we deny them, we suppress them. In either case, we're not letting our emotions do what they want to do, which is to move out. So yes, it's true, depending on what we do with them, these emotions, these movements that come to pass, depending on what we do with them, they can have consequences. On our own state of well-being, mind and body, and on the state of relationships around us. That's true of this particular emotion we're looking at today, anger. American composer John Cage once said, By becoming angry, I simply altered my biochemistry, bringing about a two-hour recovery. (laughs) That sounds about right to me, does it to you? By becoming angry, I simply altered my biochemistry, bringing about a two-hour recovery. I mean, I haven't actually measured how long it takes for me to calm down after I get angry, but I do know that anger can have some pretty powerful physical energy that can take a while to let go of. I suspect that of all our emotions, anger is perhaps the most energetic It both gives us energy, and of course, it uses energy. It can be exhausting. For many years before I became a minister, I was giving interpersonal communication workshops in uh, organizations, large corporations, and I'd work with groups of people, um, assisting them in becoming more expressive and kind in their communication, more clear on what they were saying. And... In the workshops, we used techniques that were based in an actor's training and effective communication. So there was one particular exercise that would be used at the beginning of the workshop in which each person would be asked to express a feeling with a facial gesture and a body gesture that expressed that feeling and also uh, in a voice that expressed that feeling. Of course, as the facilitator, I always did mine first. And what I would do is I would always start with angry. I'd give it an angry voice, an angry gesture, an angry face. I'm going to do a more mild version of what I would do in those workshops, but it was something like, as we were all sitting in a circle there, I would go, angry, much louder voice and everybody in the room would reflect back to me angry and i found that when i used angry as the opening feeling that it gave the participants in the group the kind of freedom the kind of energy they needed to express themselves when it came their turn to express an emotion whatever it was Well, while I was giving these workshops, I also simultaneously started attending the Center for Spiritual Living Santa Rosa. And I learned this thing about the power of your word. And I thought, what am I doing in these workshops? Always, you know, like going angry. What's with that? What world am I creating with my word? So I said, okay, I'm switching it up. I'm going to start with happy. And I gave it my best shot. You know, here comes the day of the exercise, and, and, and I, uh, I, I just I gave it all I had. Happy! It didn't do it. It didn't do it for the participants. It wasn't as liberating. It wasn't as encouraging for them as when I did angry. There was something about that energy and anger that allowed them to be more expressive. So as I did these workshops over and over and over again, I found a couple things. The first thing I found out was personally, for me, I loved being able to, on a regular basis, in a very safe context, express my anger. There was just something great about sitting at AT AT&T and going, angry, angry. The second thing that I uh, found out was that... Um, I wonder what it was. <laughs> oh, well, it was just that thing that it really assisted. There was something about that physicality of, the, of anger that really assisted people in being expressive. And it's this, this physicality, this this uh, energy of anger that I think points to two very important things. One, of course, is that we all have to be very careful about how we express our anger. We have to be careful in uh, terms of what we do. Of course, our world is full of examples of people who have been hurt by anger. And we also have to be careful about what we say. I suspect... All of us have said something in anger which we just wish we hadn't. Or sent an email, you know, just very reactively. And thought, darn, why didn't I wait to consider before I sent that email? In fact, it was Ambrose Bierce who said, Speak when you are angry and you will make the best speech you will ever regret. You know, anger is just one letter away from danger, which is a good reminder to us that um, whenever we're in the presence of anger, either someone else's or our own, it's best to step away and thoughtfully consider what needs to be said here, what needs to be expressed. It's actually a survival technique that Reverend Kim and I use in our marriage. If we're talking about something, you know, like the spoon somebody left on the sink, you know, these important things, you know. Anyhow, if we're talking about something and, and the energy just starts to get too heated, one of us will walk away and say, I'll talk to you later. Now, admittedly, the first time this happened, it was kind of scary. But it actually has become a technique we can use to cool off and then come back to the conversation later when there is, to use a phrase, more light, less heat. Um, there's a story about a man who died. And he shows up at the pearly gates and St. Peter says, okay, I'd like to, first of all, welcome to heaven. You may be able to stay here. And I'd just like to to get a sense of the goodness of the person that you were as you were uh, leading your life. Is there a particular story you can tell me about a time when you acted with courage and compassion? And the man thought, and he said, well, yes, there was this time that I, I was coming along, and I was passing a parking lot, and I saw some bikers who were harassing an old man. And I felt so angry that I, I walked over, and I just kicked over their bikes. And St. Peter said, oh, that's really good. When did this happen? And the man said, about two minutes ago. the story, of course, you know, underscores that point. How can we safely and constructively express our anger? You probably recognize the title of the book, What's in the Way is the Way. We've looked at it earlier this year. Mary O'Malley, it's a really valuable book in terms of Oops! in terms of reminding us of our innate spiritual nature and how to connect to it. In this book, Mary O'Malley says that, uh, she points out that we get angry for one of two reasons. Either something is happening that we don't want, or we want something and it's not happening. Can you identify in terms of what makes you angry? Something's happening that you don't want, like somebody's doing something, or something isn't happening that we want, like sitting at that red light, wanting it to turn green, Please, turn, turn green, turn green. So again, remembering our Celtic wisdom, the divine is constantly speaking to us. Every single being... And that includes events and experiences. Every single being is singing to us. If we just stop and listen, the divine voice is right here. So when we're feeling anger, what is it telling us? If it's something we want that we're not getting, if so, what steps can we take to address that desire? Or... Is it about something that isn't happening that we do want? Well, is there a way we can empower ourselves to address that? Perhaps, just perhaps, we can even find a way to use the energy of anger as a blessing to others. Maybe we can use the energy of anger to reveal more good in the world. Is there a social condition or a political issue you're angry about? Is there a way to channel that into constructive action? In 1980, California mother Candace Leitner lost her daughter when her daughter was struck by a motorist who was impaired by alcohol, Candace found a way to channel the anger. She founded an organization, you've probably heard of it, it's called Mothers Against Drunk Driving, M-A-D-D. Thanks to their work in promoting safe driving legislation, today the number of people killed by drunk driving has been cut in half with an estimated saving of individual lives, 370,000. What is our anger trying to tell us, and what constructive thing can we do with it? I'm remembering these beloved words from a, the poem by 13th century Sufi mystic Rumi. This being human is a guest house. Every day a new arrival, a joy, a depression, a meanness. Some momentary awareness comes as an unexpected visitor. Welcome and entertain them all. Even if they are a crowd of sorrows who violently sweep the house empty of its furniture, still Treat each guest honorably. He may be clearing out for some new delight. Be grateful for whatever comes because each has been sent as a guide from beyond. Each has been sent as a guide from beyond. This poem encapsulates for me one of the main things about how anger can assist us on our spiritual journey. Anger, my anger, your anger, it arises within a context of good. It's like we're sitting at a beautiful calm lake, perfect temperature, perfect day, and all of a sudden an insect buzzes by the ear. At first it can be startling. Maybe it's even a little scary. Irritating. But then when we realize it was just a fly and it's gone, we can bring our attention back to the beauty and the peace of the place we're in. Our anger is like that fly, something temporary that arises within the context of peace, of eternal good. All of our changing human thought, feeling, and experience... is occurring within the changeless spirit. Including anger. It arises in a space that is surrounded and contained... by good and by love. So can I, can you, can we... use any of our temporary changing experiences including anger, to point us back home to the eternal, changeless reality of spirit. To encourage us in this endeavor, Chris Fritchie and I offer you this prayer.
1: There is just one mind That mind is God mind is mine
0: There is just one mind within which everything happens. There is just one life that is being lived through each of us. The nature of this one is good. The nature of this one is love. And it is ever, always giving its love in so many ways, right where I am, right where each of us is. And so I accept for each of us an ever-increasing awareness of the love of Spirit that supports us, an ongoing listening to the voice of Spirit that informs us, and the ever-expanding ability to follow the guidance of Spirit always, always leading us to greater good.
1: Just one light That light
0: it is for this ever-present love and light of spirit that I give thanks and simply release this word by saying and so it is